Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today I sat down with a good friend of mine named Tyler Hungates, who is at the University of Iowa right now. Um, he, he, he was at Simpson, but left there after a year. But right now he's pursuing pastoral ministries after he graduates and goes to seminary. Um, he also works at Centerpoint Church, Centerpoint UMC as the youth pastor, I believe. Don't quote me on that. Um, another thing too... Uh, we had some mic issues halfway through the podcast at about um, the 40-ish minute mark. So you might hear like it end abruptly or Tyler's mic going out. Um, that was just him switching over to his phone instead to record because we record over Zoom right now since we cannot meet in person quite yet. But it was good. So... If you want to break it up in two parts, maybe pre might cut out post uh, mic, whatever. But it was a little long. Another thing too, since I've been monologuing for a long time, we wanted I wanted to talk about Tyler getting married pretty soon, but I forgot to. So a little extra words, um, Bailey. If you hear this, we love you. I just wanted to let you know that is all. Um, but yeah, we talked about Tyler's story and something really important to him. And important to us as Christians, which is evangelizing, evangelism. Um, Tyler wanted to be a Christian if he was evangelized too. So we talked about how to evangelize for a while and what it means and why we should evangelize. Um, but yeah, without further ado, I've been monologuing for a while. Enjoy! live Tyler <laughs> Tyler it's been a it's been a long time man how are you dude I'm good I um yeah so I guess like we were talking about earlier I don't know if we got to it yet but I just started as a youth pastor a couple weeks ago so that's been good I uh last night we had youth group in person for the second time so last week was the first time, and then we did it again last night, and I think we had like 62 students show up, so it was pretty good. That's at like Centerpoint, right? Yeah, Centerpoint United Methodist is is where I work. Yeah, so for those who don't know, this is Tyler Hungate. Um, Tyler, you are just finishing your sophomore year at Iowa? Yeah, sophomore, you could uh, call it what you want. Whatever. I have one yeah. More, yeah, I have one more year of college left. Yeah. And your first, well, you transferred in this, this past year from Simpson, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I've only been at Iowa for a year now. What is, uh, what is your major and like, what were you studying and stuff like that? So I'm a religious studies major. I might get a minor. I don't know yet. Probably not. Um, so I'm a religious studies major. And then after I graduate from undergrad, I'll go to seminary. I haven't quite narrowed down on a seminary yet so we'll see but I plan to get my MDiv which is master's in divinity it's the it's the master's degree that you get if you are going into pastoral ministry usually you don't have to there's a couple others but so yeah that's my plan for now we'll see where where God takes me hmm. yeah have you you were, you were at Simpson for like a year right um 
I don't know. Why did you even transfer? I remember, you told me this like really vaguely once, but I don't know. I kind of thought about the other day too when I was thinking about this podcast. Kind of didn't forget, but it's a little vague. I'm a little curious. Yeah. So it was it was a really tough decision. Mostly because I I went there in the first place because Bailey was there. She's now my fiance. Whoa. <laughs> and so yeah, and so I that's why I went there. She told me not to like follow her to college, but I did it anyways. And it I think it was <laughs> fine, but the the kind of community of faith that I was looking for in college just wasn't there. Like at Simpson, uh, it's a small school and they don't have a whole lot of of good Christianity <laughs> happening on campus and so I just kind of I, I felt that part of myself lacking and and because that is important to me it was something that I noticed a lot that was lacking and so I prayed about it a lot last summer and yeah I just I felt like I was supposed to to move on from that place and and go and be somewhere else, which was, you know, a difficult, a difficult form of obedience because I was leaving Bailey, uh, which was, she was a hundred percent supportive of, you know, when, when she saw how much I was struggling there, but you know, it all ended up, obviously I was joking about this with a friend the other day. It's, it's almost as if God knows what he's doing because then if I hadn't transferred to Iowa, I probably never would have, you know, been able to take this position, this ministry position at center point that I have now. And so, you know, God's plan worked out exactly how it was supposed to, as it always does. But it was, yeah, it was a tough decision to come to, but it was one that I think I had, I needed to make for my own spiritual and, and um, mental well being. Yeah. I think when I met you, that's like when you were like at peak struggling, you see or like getting ready to transfer ish. I don't know. You're, you're one of those guys I've known for a long time, but just never met. Yep. Like, like I've definitely like followed you on Instagram for like years. Yep. <laughs> and you followed me for years and we like each other's posts and stuff like that. I've never actually talked to you before. We were friends on Facebook, and then I invited you to my grad party on Facebook. So I was just like, just going down the list and just like, all right, they're in, they're close to Cedar Rapids. I guess I might yep. as well maybe someone will show up and you grant Cliston and caleb moody all three people who i've known but never talked to for a long time just shut up my grandpa i was kind of like i was a little shocked <laughs> actually because <laughs> i just didn't know you guys well actually at the time i was going to marion before i moved but um so i probably met you like once or twice in person but i don't think i've ever like i was actually just really shocked you guys came to my grandpa it's kind of funny <laughs> yeah it ended up working out well because i was the intern there that summer so right. then yeah we did, i mean none of us knew you that well but all of us got invited to a grad party and we're like oh yeah we'll go we'll just three of us will go together that was, far, though. That was like a 30 minute drive yeah it's all right it's fine we carpooled <laughs> it was fine and it was good we, we yeah we got to talk to you and i remember um i remember yeah you just telling us about what you were gonna do and you know what your college plans were and then it yeah, was <laughs> Yeah, right. Really quick. <laughs> yeah, we see how that worked out. But, um, you know, then that summer, that's when I think you and I actually became friends was because you were at Marion and I was at Marion. 
And so, and then we were in the same dorm at summer games. And so that was good because you and I got to. I remember talking to every night until like two in the morning. Yeah. We'd be talking, we're like, we're going to go to sleep at like 11. And then like, uh, I don't know, Andrew Happ walks in and then like Dustin Edder walks in and like, then we're there, it's like two in the morning. Yep. All right. Well, always good times. Things just happen. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you kind of like tell us like how you became a Christian? Cause I, I know you, you weren't necessarily like always Christian. I'm a little curious, like how that all played on your life. Yeah. Um, so I, I grew up in a not Christian household and we weren't, you know, actively anti-Christian or anything like that. My parents just weren't practicing believers. And, um, were they like, what are they like lukewarm believers? Like they've said they believed in God or, um, no, agnostic is probably the right word. And then, so we were, yeah, that's just kind of how it was for me growing up. Um, I myself kind of took on an anti-Christian um, worldview. I just, I didn't like religion in general growing up. And I, and I thought it was kind of, um, I don't know, it was just something that I found my identity in being opposed to, uh, oddly enough. And then as I, <clears throat> I came into, I believe I was in eighth grade and I had a bunch of friends who all went to this same youth group and they were pressuring me pressuring me like hey you gotta come you gotta come and i i refused and i was not gonna do it and finally one day after they had asked me so many times so many different wednesdays finally one day they were like what if you come and you play basketball with us in the alley behind the (laughs) um and then before all the church stuff starts you can just go back inside you can leave um and so that was my plan. I, I went and I was just going to hang out with them before church started and then go back inside or not, sorry, not go inside, leave. And then when the church stuff, quote unquote, actually started, I kind of got drug in with the crowd and I don't know, I just, what's that? What's that? That's how it happens. They just kind of like pull you in. You don't really, you don't really have a choice. Yep. <laughs> You know, and it was, yeah, it wasn't like, it wasn't even like, uh, you know, I had to fight someone like I was trying to leave. It was kind of just like everyone started going and my little 14 year old brain was like, well, I guess I got to go with them, you know, and everyone was really inviting, which was good. And I heard the gospel preach for the first time and I probably didn't take in any of it, but we played some games and that was fun. So I figured I would come back, you know, and um, so I just, I kept coming, I think just because I liked the community. And um, at that time, I also, my family was going through a bit of a rough patch. My dad had been a smoker for a long time. And so he was in and out of the hospital with different lung problems. And then my brother and my parents weren't getting along so well, and he was running away from home, which was, you know, difficult for me as a young person trying to be supportive of my parents when they were struggling you know not a role that you want to have to take on at 14 15 years old yeah and so and since you know god has reconciled my family and and things are great now but at the time i just really needed there was a there was a hole there and um ironically someone who i think played a bit of a part in both of our stories keith nester um yeah. kind of 
he signed me up for this summer camp and I didn't want to go. I, I really didn't want to go, but he signed me up and I tried to make all the excuses. Like I don't have the money. And he said, okay, well, the church is going to pay for it. And I said, I don't have a ride. And he said, okay, well you can, you know, I have this family who has an extra spot in their car. You'll ride with them. And so I tried to make all the excuses in the world and I just couldn't. And sure enough, I got to that camp and on the Monday night there was an altar call and I, uh, you know, experienced, felt a, a nudge from the Holy Spirit forward and then accepted Christ into my heart. I was, that was between my freshman and sophomore year of high school. So I was probably 15, maybe 16. Yeah. So yeah. And then here I am now. You know, one of my, like the first time I went to camp two, when I was like a little sixth grader, I, I was kind of scared, honestly. I got there and it was like kind of like high schoolers, mm-hmm. like little sixth grader. Um, <laughs> was like i don't know tiny everyone super tall um i don't know it was was pretty scary for me i don't know why when i first got there i remember like uh (laughs) kind of stupid not like looking back now i was just like i want to go home this is (laughs) 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 this isn't for me (laughs) everyone's so big here um uh funny enough too my first huddle leader at that camp i don't know it's kind of funny. Uh, I posted something about the salt conference the other day, not the other day, like a few months, <laughs> a few months ago. <laughs> yeah, right. Happened, but it feels like yesterday since quarantine feels like it didn't even happen. Um, these last four months have been a blur, honestly. <laughs> yeah. But um, I was a little, I was a little shocked when she commented on my post, like, "Oh my gosh, my little, my first little campers still following God." I was like, "Man, my heart." <laughs> Dude. I thought they forgot about me honestly like it feels like I would expect them to forget about about me honestly but I don't know yeah somehow my huddle leader I only went to camp once as a camper and then I became a huddle leader the next year but the my huddle leader from that year that I went as a camper commented on my post when I accepted the youth pastor position and and they the Aww. church posted something about it and I was like oh my my heart literally though um I don't know. I'm so in con- I've been a. Uh, I was a camper for like seven years, <laughs> so yeah, I got we got a little bit different experience on there. Yeah. But I don't know. Most of my leaders still talk to me, except for one of them. He's like, I don't know what he's doing, but he's a really cool guy. Um, enough about that though. I don't know. You're really passionate about camp though. Uh, you love. I don't know. You love camp a lot more than I do, honestly. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. <laughs> But I think, yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about like your college experience. You mentioned um, that you found like a new community, almost like a new like ministry to be a part of uh, at Iowa. Yeah. So I, for the last year, um, ever since I transferred to Iowa, I was uh, the the friend group that I got introduced into via some friends from high school, um, some of our shared friends, they had established a friend group that was largely from Salt Company. And so Salt Company in Iowa City. And, and yeah, that was good. It was a, it was a blessing because they kind of just welcomed me in as if I had been there the whole time. And um, I knew that I wanted to be a part of Salt Company when I came to Iowa City. And so I joined a C group and I went to salt every Thursday and it was nice to be, it was good to be a part of a, of an, 
uh, a student ministry that was actually serious about living out their faith in college. Um, I think, you know, one of the issues that I had with the student ministries at Simpson is either they didn't really believe the Bible or they said that they believed the Bible, but then they didn't live it out in their actions um, outside of Thursday nights, you know? So um, it was, oh, it's a, been a blessing for me to be a part of that community and to be a part of the Veritas community um, in Iowa city. That's the Veritas church. And so, yeah, it was, it was, I think very um, restorative might not be the right word, but it was definitely uh, a season of life that allowed me to grow in my faith with people my own age. And then also with, you know, some of the other adults in that church. And it was, yeah, it was a real blessing for me. And I think helped me come to uh, the next level of spiritual maturity that has allowed me to step now into a role where I'm, you know, shepherding students and leading them in their faith. Yeah, I, I asked that. So like, I'm kind of curious, like, cause you've been in uh, youth ministry for a while, um, not just like, like helping around and volunteering and stuff, but like also like you were like in youth ministry and like in it um, being preached to in youth ministry. But now like also like in college ministry, you're also being pre- preached to and like all poured into like a different times of your life I'm, I'm just a little curious like um kind of like how kind of like lost my question just now but i think it was more I, this happens a lot tyler that's okay <laughs> i don't know if you talked to me if you talked to me recently i was even blanking a lot but david the other day too like we were just talking but we both blinked like the same time and then we just had no idea what we were talking about at all i did listen i did listen to that one <laughs> did you catch that because we just we both blanked we're like actually i don't remember what we were talking about at all yeah it yep. was, it was <laughs> that's okay it was still a good listen the coffee's like just make i'm just running on coffee all the time now it's great this coffee tastes really bad though if i'm being honest doesn't matter um that's what happens when you become a college christian you just get hooked on coffee man I've been hooked on coffee even before. <laughs> like, I went to Bohemia like every day. Oh, I remember that. Uh, funny, not really funny. Kind of, kind of a little sad, honestly. <laughs> I would, I would kind of like hide from my home at Bohemia, which is a coffee shop for those don't know, who don't know in Cedar Rapids. But like my favorite place ever. Um, coffee's great. Tastes really good. There is some bad, bad things on there too on the menu, but. I usually stay towards the good coffee, um, but I would just like not want to be home, and like I would hate being home, so I just go to Bohemia, and sit in the coffee shop for hours, just yep, get a coffee, just chill there. Um, even before school, a lot of times I would skip my first class. Oh, this is terrible. So there's like it's like eighty classes first semester, right? Something like that, but I missed fifty five. My like my first period. <laughs> he was so mad like i was such a bad student i i'm surprised she didn't kick me out i'm surprised i didn't fail the class actually because i got like a b in the class just because like it's it's compositions this is really off topic but it's kind of funny <laughs> it's composition so like that's like one of my strengths writing um so like i wouldn't go to class at all and I just get like an A in the paper and she'd be like, man, like, I don't know what to do. Like these papers are actually really good, but you don't come to class. 
to be honest, like, I want to fail you, but I can't. Like literally, like because don't like why well, I lost most of my points ever on like because you have to do things in class. Like there's some things like peer reviews. Can't really do that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not yeah, in class like ever. Um, but stuff like that is what I lost points on. Uh, and she was a decently strict grader. She wouldn't just hand out A's like whatever, but I would constantly get like 90%, um, 92%, uh, 87%. And it was just so bull crap. My entire senior year was just me like on fumes, barely like, just like cheating. I was that one kid. I don't want to say like this because it sounds kind of bad, but like, <laughs> like I don't study, but I come to class and I pass the test. One of my calc tests, um, calc is one of those things that just click with me for some reason. And but I don't want to learn it. So like during tests, I would literally learn some of the parts of calc or guess and just get things correctly somehow. And it's terrible. Like I'm getting like B's on some tests and like, at, so I was like, Adam, I failed this test. Like, oh, well, I don't know what to tell you. You should have studied more, <laughs> should be more gifted. <laughs> but well, that was my senior year. Off topic, really off topic. <laughs> but, you know, I'm kind of curious, like, what the transition from, I literally ranted so I could think of that. That's okay. You got the question back, so it was yeah, worth it. I'm, I'm curious, like, on the transition from, like, uh, being in youth ministry, almost, like, going to college ministry. I know that you had, like, a whole, like, gap year off. Uh, I don't say gap year because I know you're still like reading your Bible and stuff like that, but like a gap year from being in a ministry that was like constantly pouring into you, you know? Yeah. So a uh, gap year from my own minute, like from being a part of a ministry that I wasn't leading is accurate. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I, I was actually interning at a church in the Des Moines area. So with their youth ministry. So I was doing ministry and my own, you know, my personal faith and my, my leadership wasn't stagnating in, in any sense, but I wasn't being poured into very much. Um, I will, you know, I'll admit that Bailey and I, at that time, we were going to church on Sundays, but we weren't super consistent because the church that we were going to was like a 35 minute drive. And so there'd be times when we would just, you know, on Sunday mornings, we wouldn't want to go or, you know, if the weather was bad, if it was, you know, when it was snowy, we would just say, Oh, well, you know, don't want to drive. And so, but you know, I, it was still a time that God was using because I was, you know, I was leading in a youth ministry and I was learning a lot and I had to kind of, I think it strengthened my own personal devotion because I didn't have a super strong community around me that was pouring into me. And so when I came to, Iowa City, it was, it felt good to be a part of a ministry that I didn't have to lead um, because at that, for that year, like the only ministries that I were, that I was in and even, you know, the summer before this past school year that just, that just ended the summer prior, as we talked about earlier, I was interning at Marion. And so, you know, I was very involved in the church because I was, you know, I was interning for the church, but I was a leader in everything. And, they, you know, that's like a, a blessing and it's something that I've been called to, but something that I've had to learn and that I think everyone who goes into vocational ministry has to learn is that if you don't have a source of 
your own, um, having people who can pour into you, you'll burn out really quickly. And so getting to Iowa city was helpful for, for me because it, I think it was a way for God to show me how necessary it is for people who, you know, lead in, in various ministries to have a community that pours into them. Um, and, you know, that can come in a lot of different forms. I have a, a group of youth pastors in the Cedar Rapids area and we get coffee together um, usually once a week or so. And that's another area where it's, it's nice to just have people who can pray for each other and, you know, pour into each other in that way and, and not always be having to, you know, lead because it's a blessing to be called to lead, but it's also uh, a response, a large responsibility. Yeah, is that like, <laughs> like a secret group of like youth pastors coming together every week? Yeah. Like a funny picture to me. Is Kelsey in there? <laughs> it's not, it's not a secret. Yeah. You probably I know, know it's almost, a secret. <laughs> but you it's know not, almost like, everyone it's not like group, to me. I don't know. A bunch yeah. of like religious leaders yeah. gathering together every week to discuss important things. I don't know. That's actually more common in ministry than you would think. Like even yeah. <laughs> a, bun- a bunch of the, the senior pastors in the area within, I mean, w- the ones that I know or who are mostly within the Met- United Methodist church, you know, they get, to, they meet together every, every Thursday morning and do the same thing. So. Right. Yeah. I, I kind of, it's, it's really easy to forget about those things like that. There's someone above that person, like almost like pouring into them too. Um, yeah. Uh, learning about like the salt company, uh, like I don't want to call it like, pipes. They call it the pipes, but like how, what is the word? Like staircase works almost of being poured into. Like you got like oh uh, yes yeah like, the lost people and they're poured into like the members by the church, like the, just the tenders. The tenders are poured into like by like the secret leaders. Secret leaders poured into like by the deacon leaders uh do leaders a lot of times poured into by like um people like on staff some people on staff poured into like by elders and like i don't know it's really easy to forget that um there's someone or like you actually still need to be poured into even like you're in leadership uh definitely this year for me i like really at first was just like kind of like burnt out and like not letting myself be poured into other people around me um but yeah i'm a little it's kind of a random question this wasn't like planned at all uh what are some like the the good parts of ministry and bad parts of ministry because you've been been in leadership for a while maybe not ministry but like in leadership because like you've been leading for a while now uh and not just like in like marion but like you're in various places. I always see you everywhere. <laughs> the poster child. But yeah, no. <laughs> like the the really great things, but like also like the really bad things some people just don't talk about all the time. Yeah. I think you know, the blessing is that if you're going in if you're if you're in a position of leadership or you're going into vocational ministry, is that it's a calling. And so <clears throat> Um, there's various like versions of this saying, but a lot of people will say something to the effect of God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Right. And, um, you know, King David, there's a couple other examples of that, but I would say to preface that, you know, if, if you're called into ministry, that God will provide a way for you. Um, and 
And that's something that I, that I really strongly believe in that ministry is more than just a thing that you do, but it's a, a calling and it's a conviction. And so, you know, some of the, some of the blessings to that <clears throat> have been, you know, seeing praying over, uh, praying over anyone, but especially for me, praying over young people, you know, high school and middle school students, praying over students who are accepting Christ for the first time will never get old. You know, I could do that for my entire life and that, and that won't ever get old. Seeing, seeing someone accept Christ as their Lord and Savior for the very first time is an amazing experience that I want to be a part of as many times as possible, you know? And so that is just amazing. And on top of that, getting to see then students who you were with when they accepted Christ start to mature and step into their faith and take ownership of it. And then, you know, if you're with them long enough, you get to see the students who you're with when they became Christians start to pray over and, you know, shepherd people who are then, you know, coming to Christ for the first time also. So getting to see your own students become leaders in their own right is a blessing and something I've gotten to experience, which has been really good. And also just the relationships that you form, you know, like I, I am a very social individual. And so the number of different you know, connections that I get to make on a, on a weekly basis and getting to sit down and talk with you. I mean, you and I on a couple occasions have just gone and like got coffee or, you know, fuzzies, tacos or whatever. So just you know, getting that. to find those that. relationships. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. Um, those are do you remember that? that? The case that we just didn't eat. There's like, yes. know, it just got really gross. It was like, we were there for like, we were there for a long time. I think they just thought we were like a little weird. Yeah, we were there for like a few hours. I don't want to say how long we were there for because I think I know how long we were there for, but it was a little long. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We just won't, we just won't mention it. We don't but, need to mention it. <laughs> so yeah, those are the good. I think, you know, unfortunately part of, and I think this is something that anyone would would probably know if you've led in a church in any in any capacity is that we are broken people, right? Your your pastors are broken people, your leaders are broken people, your congregants are broken people. And so one of the unfortunate side effects of that is that sometimes conflict does arise. Uh, I think it's it's painful for me when individuals within the church start attacking each other and um you know that happens unfortunately or when we let um we let this is a, a doug fields quote but it's don't let the work of god don't let your work for god get in the way of being a person of god and so mm. you know i think sometimes we get so focused on the ministry of the church in uh, programmatic sense, like what we do, and we lose a little bit of sight of why we do what we do, which is ultimately Christ. And, and so, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, when problems arise in the church, sometimes it comes from that area of brokenness. Um, and then other times, you know, one of the unfortunate things is just, it's a blessing to be with people who are struggling, but it's also, you know, it just breaks your heart. And, uh, yeah, um, you know, it, especially in youth ministry, because emotions are very, very volatile for, especially for teenagers having, you know, different occasions where I've, uh, you know, sat with students who were, and, and, you know, luckily been able to minister to students who are 
thinking about taking their own lives or students who were abusing substances or, um, you know, hurting themselves or, you know, those, those scenarios, it, I'm thankful that, that God placed me in that area because I was able to, to, you know, by his grace, be a light to them, but also it just breaks your heart, you know? So that is, that is difficult. I will say that. Yeah. I think a lot of people, uh, Oh, is your, wait. Okay. I heard an echo for a sec. That's right. I think we're good now. I can turn it. I can turn you down if I need to. I think that was, I think that was it. I think you were, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think a lot of people just think ministry is like all fun and like games and like, maybe not games, but like <laughs> just a ton of fun and like you get to do like all this, all these great things for God and um, whatever. But like, there is a really difficult side to it that I always forget about. I was praying about the other day too. Like it, it's just so like heartbreaking that not that I have to hear all these stories, but like hearing some like the hurt some of these people have gone through, it just wrecks me. And I can't fully understand them. I don't know their experience. And it breaks my heart in a lot of ways, but also comforts me in a ton of ways. Cause I know like, well, actually it's really good that I don't understand it. Cause I have someone that's better that can understand it than me. So, you know, I was just thinking about that the other day, too. Just, like, it's not all fun. Uh, especially, like, I was thinking, like, um, like a lead pastor, like Mark Vance, the pastor in my church right now. Um, like, yeah, he used to, like, preach all the time. And that's cool and great. But, like, he probably hears a ton of just heartbreaking stories. Um, someone, like, linked him. I'm, I'm friends with him on Facebook. And so someone, like, tagged him in something. Like, one of our like members, church members, like wrote out her testimony, and, like tagged them. So like, I saw it, you know, like, Oh yeah. Like on Facebook, was, this person was tagged by this person. Like you can see right. it. And so I just, like, she wrote her, her whole testimony basically on like a blog and I was reading it. It just tore my heart apart. Like she says that like, or like in her thing, she's like, thanks Mark for listening. And like, thank you God for like using Mark to listen to me. But like, hearing her story, like the amount of abuse she had and now like substance abuse she had, like sexual abuse, all of her hurt, she's just typing it all out and like expressing how deep it is, like how God's able to reconcile her. Like it breaks my heart in a ton of, ton of ways, but also like gives me a lot of hope because like she says, like God was able to reconcile her in a ton of ways. Um, and she's still healing. Um, this is from like two, two or three months ago, but she's still healing but there there's a greater hope for her now that now that she's like actually like following god and understanding who god is for who he is yeah i don't know that's kind of like a kind of like a good segue to what uh we will kind of want to talk about a little bit today so you said you're really passionate about well i think we we all you're passionate about talking about this today because i think we all are passionate about it but evangelism, you said you want to talk about evangelism. You said that was just something on your heart that like God just placed there and used one to like speak about a little bit. Um, I kind of don't have, have that much prepared for this. I'm assuming, like you said, you probably have a little bit more prepared for this than I do for this part. Uh, yeah, so I guess I... Over the last few weeks, I've just been noticing how much 
how much the church needs to step into its responsibility right now of preaching the gospel. You know, we've known this entire time. It's not, it's not new news to us that we live in a broken and hurting world. You know, we've known this. It's, it's been that way since, since the fall. But uh, I think right now it's just uh, maybe a critical time in, in human history that the church, that, you know, believers in Christ step forward and start to, take ownership and and start to really live into the great commission in matthew 28 jesus says go and preach the gospel and and baptize them uh i'm I'm blanking right now it's matthew 28 it's the end of matthew 28 the great commission but um you know making oh there you go making disciples and baptizing them in the father and the son the holy spirit so yeah i guess that's just been on my heart a lot recently yeah i think I think I'm echoing again. Wait. Testing. Okay. I guess not. I don't know. <laughs> okay, whatever. But um, yeah, I think especially like right now too, it's such a vital time to be talking about Jesus, like talking about a better hope. So a lot of these people who like um, are going through this racial injustice or coronavirus too, just don't have a hope. Like, yeah, it does suck for me a lot that I have to stay home all the time um, and that, like, work is different right now and, like, I'm just doing a bunch of different things right now. It's not at all how, like, I expected my summer to look like or the end of my first year of college. Um, but I do have a much greater hope for what's in store for me. Like, but a lot of people just don't. And that's what really breaks my heart. Like, I was praying about the other day, too, or one of the first days of coronavirus that – because it really just wrecked my heart. Um, like, there were a lot of people in, like, my dorms that just couldn't go back home. Uh, a lot of, like, our international students who just couldn't leave. Uh, they were forced to stay at Iowa State. I don't know. They're still there now. Maybe it's, like, can they, could they even go back? I don't know. I'm sure some of them are stuck there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure there's, like, someone's still there. But, like... I just imagine, like, I don't know what it'd be like to not know Jesus and be stuck in that position. Um, I was going to go back to Ames at first, but then they kicked me out. Uh, but, like, it really just broke my heart. There's people who just are stuck in Ames, um, away from home, away from family, in a, like, almost foreign place to them, even though they've been there for the whole school year. But what I mean is, like, this isn't, this isn't their home. Uh, and some of them just don't know Jesus. I'm sure that there's some that just are that do know Jesus, but like there's a lot of them we just don't. Especially like knowing the cultures they grew up in, um, a lot of them are Asian students too at Iowa State, and like knowing Asian culture as an Asian man myself. For those who do not know, um, <laughs> it sucks. Like it's not easy. I I, I just imagine it'd be terrible for them. Um, but, so yeah, that really breaks my heart, uh, knowing that there's people that need to hear the gospel um, so that they can go home and tell their families about Jesus, this, whoever this guy is that sounds so great. Um, but yeah, no, especially like too with your own story, if someone didn't evangelize to you, like you wouldn't be a Christian. I wouldn't be a Christian either if no one like invited me to church. Uh, yep. growing in a Buddhist family for you 
uh, agnostic family. Well, but yeah, whatever. I don't know if that's like even a thing, but. Yeah, I think it's Romans. Hang on a second. I think, yeah, Romans 10, 10 through 15. Let me find it. Actually, I'm going to skip down. Um, okay, so in Romans 10, 14, it says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And so, you know, that really convicts me in the sense of, if if we're not telling people about who Christ is and what he did for them, how are they supposed to know? You know, and I think it's easy, it's easy as believers to get comfortable with our with our circle of people and to forget that we are called as believers to go and, and preach the gospel. And it said you know, it's pretty clear right here in Romans 10, Paul's like, How are they supposed to know if you don't tell them? You know, if you're not going to go and tell them about what Christ did for them, they're they're, you know, dead in their sin and you're and you're leaving them there by not not telling them. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, something else that I've been convicted about recently is there's a lot of people who will talk about uh, how Jesus loves them. And that is crucial. <laughs> I think. But also we should tell them about the entirety of the gospel and not just focus on the Jesus loves you aspect because it's easy for you to say to a non-believer oh jesus loves you and then for them to go oh that's nice and then kind of move on right but i think that when we're presenting the gospel to someone we have to talk about that they need to be saved and i think you can you can you know i have in here in my notes a couple different methods that i think work but at its base level when you're presenting the gospel to someone you have to tell them about why they need to be saved that you know because of sin we're separated from god cool yeah so for those who didn't realize we just we just lost connection or something over back um i also blanked on what we were saying <laughs> that's all right i got it I you remember me then right yeah so i have um <laughs> We're talking about how telling people that Jesus loves them is not the entire message of the gospel. I think it's maybe the most crucial aspect of the gospel, but to explain to someone what it means when they say Jesus loves you, you have to first recognize, I think, three three things, three important things, like gospel-centered things that we need to talk about when we talk about the love that Christ has for people. So we have why we need to be saved right sin and separation from god and so i believe it's romans three twenty three says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god then you need to talk to them about how jesus can say how jesus already died for them how jesus really did save them and all they need to do is to accept him right so use john three sixteen use you know whatever other scriptures you want use the you know the actual gospel narratives to talk to people about you're dead in your sin, but you don't have to be. Because when we say Jesus loves you, we don't just mean that he likes you. We mean that he died for you. Like he loved you enough to die for you. And then lastly, after you've explained this to them, then you talk to them about what they need to do to be saved, which is, you know, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart and you'll be saved. Um, That's also in Romans 10. And so 
yeah, I think it's important to talk to people about the love that Christ has for them. And I don't think we should just leave it at Jesus loves you. I think we should be intentional about talking to people. You know, we, we need to preach the gospel to people. We don't need to just give them easy one-liners that they can see on social media and keep scrolling. Yeah. I think too, like, it's really easy. Like that way, just saying like, Jesus loves you is like, that's not necessarily like, that's part of the gospel, but you need the other side too. Um, it's a really like feel good gospel. Uh, <laughs> I just dropped this phone, by the way, but it's like a really like feel good gospel kind of just like, yeah, Jesus loves you. And, but like, if you live at that, then what's going to happen? Like, Oh, well, if Jesus loves me. Then I'm just going to go do this, 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 this. But we see like in Mark one, one fifteen, I think it says like Jesus calls people to believe and repent. Uh, so we see in like what it means to like repent in um in James two, two nine, two ten, two I don't know, whatever, something like that. But like we believe and repent from our sin, also like producing some good works. So that's not necessarily meaning like you need good works to be um saved at all, because you only need faith and faith alone. But um works do come as a product of true faith in jesus understanding the grace um that god had for you the mercy god had for you um, the wrath that jesus spilt for you that's actually like what truly makes a believer say like oh actually like i don't want to live this way like my father god jesus he suffered greatly for me the least i could do is is to not go deal drugs or that's a little extreme. That is, but, but the message is true. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not deal drugs. Maybe not, maybe gossip. That's a little bit, that's something like, I think we all struggle with. Maybe not struggle, but like have done in the past, but yeah. No, I think if we just leave it at Jesus loves me, then I can take advantage of that in a lot of ways. Right. You know, and, and like you said, if, if we have true faith as believers, it, it is supposed to produce good works. And, and one of those good works is evangelism, right? And, yeah. and I've been convicted recently about the Great Commission, especially, that it's not a choice, right? Like bap- baptism is a powerful tool of the Holy Spirit. And, and preaching the gospel is a command that Jesus gave us to, to go and um, make disciples of the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so, honestly, I think no matter no matter where you're at in your own faith journey, if you are claiming to be a follower of Christ, um, it's a, it should be important to you to go and and preach the gospel. That's what we've been called to do by Christ. And I think um, not only in your words but also in your actions that we should be exemplifying what it means. Right to be followers of Christ. Cause like you said, you know, your desire to not gossip or deal drugs comes from <laughs> understanding what Jesus did for you. And so it's like, I've never dealt drugs before anyone just so everyone knows yeah, I, I haven't so dealt with drugs. <laughs> just so like, so I just want, I, I, I know pretty sure my brother, I'm like snitching right now. <laughs> pretty sure my older brother has in fact dealt drugs and he was caught a few times, but not you, but not me. So don't worry about it. Not me. <laughs> yeah. um, I am kind of a snitch right now because not everyone knows. But the room I'm sitting in right now, his old bedroom, he used to hotbox in here. 
you smoked a ton of weed his old dresses in here he had a vape in there and and then his uh, desk there's like seven lighters <laughs> i really oh uh, okay doesn't matter but <laughs> i don't deal drugs never have just so we're clear Adam so we're just, just so we're clear i don't want anyone thinking like this man has dealt drugs no i haven't <laughs> <laughs> i mean so yes you don't you shouldn't deal drugs and i think part of living out your living out your faith means to um to be to express to people that your desire to live life um biblically to to follow jesus's commands doesn't come from a place of blind obedience but comes from a place of understanding what it is that christ did for you and that the life that he's calling you to live via his commands is the best possible life that you could live right yeah like people like yeah like like you said with like words and actions i think actions is like the most important of the two because people are going to see you and well the point of the podcast like our lives are going to be upside down and people are going to say like what does this guy have that i don't yeah why is that guy so happy when coronavirus is happening or how is um this uh african-american person like happy or have hope during all this r- racial injustice like where does that come from it doesn't make sense um none of us really should be <laughs> this hopeful this happy but why did they have it and what do i not have and the answer is like those people they follow jesus like you can see in a person if they truly have that hope um have an understanding of the hope i our words are different. How we see the world is different. Every, completely how we view the world is just like completely shifted and upside down. Um, but nothing is the same. Our entire life is so radically different from the rest of the world. So culturally different. Uh, it's hard to not notice that. It's hard to like see these people following Christ and not say these people are different. And that's not a bad thing. But like these people are different but they just have something that I don't. Um, so yeah, I think to, I forgot what's wrong with this. It's okay. Ter- kind of, I gotta like start writing these things down. But <laughs> have you read Radical by David Platt ever? Uh, no, I listen to Radical, the podcast on occasion, but I haven't actually read the book. The book is super good. I'll lend you if you want it. But what I was thinking about a little bit earlier is like with our actions, um, well, for one, we're called to make disciples, uh, whether we're in the church or not, like, well, I mean, working in the church or not working in the church is what I mean. But like one thing you talked about was like, you, you go to church to be equipped. Like you don't just go there to have a, a great social time and like go there to like, um get lunch afterwards with like a a family or something but like you go there to be equipped to want live out your life um for christ and make disciples like you can be in ministry while not working in ministry and i think a lot of people like take the whole like i have to be in leadership or i have to be in ministry a little bit too seriously sometimes and i mean like definitely take come on like guys don't 
don't take yourselves too seriously. Like we're not that big of a deal. Uh, one of the things that Saul company and AIM says a lot, uh, Saul, our, our college director, he says a lot, he says, you matter, but you're not the point. And like, that's just like a really good reminder for me. I actually have like a reminder, like they sent, they made like a list of like nine reminders. I'm going to read them just cause like, I love them. Even though it doesn't really have that much to do with like what this podcast today is really about. But like they sent out like nine daily reminders uh, from a sermon. Um, the first one is I'm 100% forgiven of everything I've ever done, paid in full by Jesus. The second one is God is my father. He's using every detail of my life for his glory and my good. Three, the worst case scenario for me is everlasting perfect paradise in heaven with him. That's, my, that's one of my favorite ones. Um, that's really like, whoa. Yeah. But four jesus is my righteousness which means there's nothing i can do today to make god love me less or more five i've ne- i'm never so good that i don't need grace and never so bad that i can't have it six the almighty spirit of god lives in me guiding me comforting me and empowering me seven when i am weak then i am strong eight oh there's only eight but eight i matter but i'm not the point and that's just like a that last one too is just a really good reminder like i might not be working in ministry i might not be leading everything like tyler hungate but <clears throat> i married god i might not have the most spectacular role but i married a god um there's a sweet there's a there's a woman in the old testament who got some who's mentioned like twice ever so she's mentioned old, i forgot it's maybe it's like it's not hannah but she's mentioned in the New Testament once by Jesus or in the New Testament somewhere. But like her role in, oh no, I remember, I can't remember the exact exact person who it was, but so she has like a really big role in the Old Testament, not in the Old Testament, just like in a, a certain chapter in the Old Testament. Um, but what, what ends up happening in the New Testament is they mention her servant, not even her. She's a woman who like leverages her power to um spread well to spread the gospel the for them um god spreading the gospel in new old testament versus new testament is a little it's a little different uh the old, old testament they had to like well their hope was that they looked forward towards the cross um they had hope that god would come eventually and reconcile them for us right now we look back to the cross um we know that now Jesus has died for us. So that's my hope right now. Uh, we have a backwards facing hope while people in the old Testament had a forward facing hope. And that's kind of like the whole thing she's pushing. But what's so interesting is that she's not even mentioned in the new Testament. She, her servants is like, she, she mattered to God a lot. She did something awesome. She didn't have like some super flashy skills or like super flashy, like leadership. Um, qualities but also she leveraged herself for the movement of christ the movement of god um and so like the question like for myself is like am i willing to be a single page of the bible or, like a single verse or do i want a whole chapter for myself or a whole book for myself um when we put ourselves in that position we're not gonna be evangelizing very well at all we're not gonna be living that out very well at all um, we'll be living great for ourselves. And it might look great for ourselves, but then it looks great for ourselves. And we see in Matthew, is it Matthew 7 when uh, the rich guy, 
comes to Jesus, like doing all these great things, like raising dead, um, baptizing people, all these things. And Jesus is like, I don't even know who you are. So that's yeah, like yeah. A, it's like a great wake up call. Not even like a wake up call, more like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, wake up call, sure. That like, I need to like leverage for God, not myself, and work for God, not myself, not work. I don't like work because work sounds like God's my boss. But yeah, maybe live. <laughs> Yeah, live for God. I mean, sure. we're called to be the hands and feet, right? Like, right. like as the body of Christ. So, right. Yeah, I think, but especially too, like, evangelizing is such an important thing with actions, but not just like, like, by like saying or by like going out and like preaching on the streets or whatever. But like, just be willing to like talk about it. If someone wasn't willing to talk about it with me, ever, um, if someone this year during my first year of college wasn't willing to like sit down with me and tell me the gospel. Um, I wouldn't have grown that much. I wouldn't be like, a, I wouldn't have seen the gospel for its actual like sweetness and beauty. Like for me, at least in the past, it was just kind of convenient in a way. Um, not maybe not just convenient, but like also like I didn't understand how or what that really meant to be changed by the gospel. Um, I was, at least for me, I was definitely like super legalistic like live like i gotta do this 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 um this is this i can get god's love but that's not true at all uh so i think for one it's really it's really important for people to like you willing to at least talk about it kind of funny funny thing about funny story about like a time i got to like evangelize and talk about jesus and like invite someone to ministry um i think you remember this a little bit but so for those who don't know i go to iowa state university in Ames, Iowa. I go to Salt Company in Ames, Iowa. And me being like an like I don't know, like it just stupid. <laughs> I posted for like a just like a week. I posted like the Iowa City salt stuff. Like on my story I put like guys Thursday night at this address like whatever like something forest land I don't remember I don't know exact uh, address for Veritas in Iowa City. But I put in my story um like the probably like two or three times before like even salt even happened because they put like they post like every day before salt happened yeah right i have salt so i had a friend she sent me a video of her like doing like a panorama of like in the front of front of, like the auditorium <laughs> so it looked like i was there <laughs> i put on my story i said be here now <laughs> and so people were i think i think caleb told me once or told me that you and grant were looking for me too at salt yeah i was not we thought, i was we were not like there. What, we were like what's adam doing in iowa city <laughs> and i told caleb i told Caleb like i didn't want to see them or something like that and he was like oh i don't know but <laughs> it was really funny for me it's kind of like jokingly but it was weird i had someone slid up on it there were people there were a lot of people slid up in it people thought i actually transferred also which is really funny <laughs> but not that funny for them I'm sure some people will listen to this and be like, well, I actually thought he transferred. Um, but, <laughs> so yeah, Adam, I'm actually still mad at you for that. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. Uh, yeah, people were like, you're here right now? Where are you? I don't, I don't know where you are. I'm like, sorry, left, bye. Didn't want to see you. And they're like, people actually find it. <laughs> but so some girl slides up, slides up on it. I think she thought it was like a conference because there are a lot of people there. And like, honestly, like, well, I would say you saw like 400 people, right? That's a lot. 
Yeah, yeah, we have a, a decent Wait, number. I would say no, four hundred liters. Wait, no, 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 no. Names is four hundred like, liters. <laughs> yeah, it's probably like on a on a regular basis. I would say somewhere closer to like five like, or six. Oh no, a five or six liter, right? Yeah, so at, at our kickoff, we had a thousand. That was like the kickoff that was outside, and it was like in a park in the middle of campus. That was awesome. I think on a regular basis, oh, we have between like five and six, if I had to guess. But yeah, thousand? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be dope. But so, like, I put it on my story, and like, there's a lot of people there, obviously, like 560 people. And some girl thought I was like, I don't know, maybe she thought it was a conference or something. But she's like, oh, my gosh, it looks so fun. And, like, ha- like have fun. Hope you have fun. Great, whatever. But only for me to look on her, like, on her account and find she goes to Cornell and Cedar Rapids. I'm like, do you go to – do you know this, like, salt company, right? Like, do you go to salt in Cedar Rapids? She's like, no, what's that? I'm like, well, the thing I posted on my Instagram is, well, the salt company. And uh, there's one in Cedar Rapids. Why don't you, why don't you go? And so I ended up – I luckily during December, January ish, I got plugged in with a lot of like the leaders or like staff members in Veritas and Cedar Rapids. It's kind of confusing. There's two Veritas's, one in Cedar Rapids, one in Iowa City. I don't know why they chose the same name. Yeah, because Iowa right. City planted Cedar Rapids Veritas, so they just chose the same name for some reason. Doesn't matter. But I'm like, you know, there's you like Veritas and Cedar Rapids. She's like, no, what is whatever but so i knew the staff members and cedar rapids on them so i messaged one i was like hey i have a girl who wants to go um next week can you help me get her there because i'm in ames i can't help you yeah right (laughs) ends up he ends yeah um one of the staff members she goes and picks her up and like goes but now this girl she's going like she was going every week before coronavirus um she's watching all the online stuff and like she's going now during somersaults in person because now we have in person salts in Cedar Rapids. But she's going now. But it's just like so weird. Like me and Ames posted Iowa City stuff and got a girl to go to Cedar Rapids Salt as a result. And like obviously, like there are some problems with that because like one, I was I was lying. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna put it bluntly. That was a lie. <laughs> It was fun while it lasted, but it was lying. <laughs> but also, like, we just need a willingness to talk about the gospel when it comes up. Maybe not always going out and preaching it, but some people are going to have questions. The people who are saying, like, what do those people have? They're going to have questions. And as Christians who know that answers the question, it's my obligation to answer. Uh, but... Yeah, now she's plugged in. It's awesome, Lily. If you ever hear this, I, I don't know if you ever listen to my podcast. Uh, I'm glad you're going. That's a that's a full call out. But yeah, no, that's it's a little it's a little weird. Also, kind of another off topic story, but about me evangelizing while lying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm noticing a pattern here, Adam. I am too. I got caught on this multiple times, so I haven't done this since. Not multiple times. I got caught by once by a staff member. And I was like, all right, we're done. But it's like me being me. I would go to dining halls. Um, just one dining hall in particular. Convos in, at Iowa State. It's like the most like homey place ever. It feels great to go to. I was 
but like sometimes I'm just bored eating lunch alone. I don't want to eat lunch alone all the time. Cause like my, at least like my schedule was in such a way that like I had to eat lunch at a really weird time. So like no one's, none of my friends, no one's going to eat with me at two o'clock. No one is. I want to eat with me at two o'clock, but so I'm at, at the dining hall sometimes and I would just go to random people, sit with them, be like, Hey, I think I know you knowing full well, like it was a lie. I didn't know them. And well, that's a few times I got to like talk about like salt company and like the gospel invited him to salt company. Um, I don't know if ever, some of them ever went. I know a few that actually end up going, um, but like it was a lie. And I was telling a staff member at Cornerstone one after salt and she was like, we were all smiling. We were talking. It was having a great time after salt. And like, she looked at me like straight face, no more smile. She said, so you lie. I was like, Tracy, Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're right. You're like, you're like, I was lying for Jesus. And she's like, that's not how it works. Really? Yeah. And well, then I haven't done it since after that. <laughs> that was like, that was for like late October. Last time I did that. But once she said that, I was like, well, you're right. But then it ended up happening again. Ended up, Adam ended up lying on his story. But it, it worked out apparently. Adam. What God and what, what you intended for you, well, God meant for good. So that we kept alive as they are today. Genesis 50. Yeah, so going all the way back to, to Joseph. but Literally. But like, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of kind of just like fun, random funny times about me evangelizing. Um, I don't know. <laughs> have you, have you like, do you have a good story about evangelizing? Like, do you have any kids that you just, or people like you would never expect to have heard the gospel message and like be in the church right now? Let me think. There's definitely a few. So, I mean, a good example from my own story would be probably that after I accepted Christ, I just started showing, like, so I accepted Christ. I was going to church and uh, my sister Mm. had a friend who also was in the youth group that I had started attending and she's like four years younger than I am. And so she starts going to youth group with her friend and she accepts Christ and I didn't even do anything like I, like she just knew that it was the youth group I went to and the church that I went to. Were you, so were you going at the time? What's were that? You, were you at the church at the time? Like, yes. Yes. So this happened. I had, I had accepted Christ. I was like full on in church and in the group and stuff. And so my sister started going and then she accepts Christ, which is awesome. And then I leave for college. And so she doesn't have a ride to church anymore. And so this was when I left for college my freshman year. So I, I went to Simpson and so my sister didn't have a way to get to church anymore because I used to, we used to drive together on Sunday mornings because she wasn't old enough to drive at that point. And so after I left for college, then my mom just started going to church with my sister because she was like, well, I don't want to drop her off at the church and then I have to come back and pick her up in an hour after the service is over. So my mom starts going to church there too. And then sure enough, my mom, like my mom kind of knew Jesus in high school and she, she found her way back to Christ because she just started having to drive my sister to church. And now actually, ironically enough, my mom is the 
nursery director at that church because the position came open and my sister and I were both like, mom, you should do that. And so she prayed about it and she decided to apply and then she got hired. So that's a, that's a funny story of God working through just a mundane kind of situation to, you know, transform the hearts of two people in my family. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see a lot of people like, at least right now, to like graduating too. Um, there's a lot of people who I just would not expect it to like start following Jesus after college. Yeah. Uh, during college, I mean. Uh, what? Yeah, no, like, it's even like in AMC, like hearing some of people's stories, just like, oh, I wasn't a believer at all in high school. Like, I didn't, like, do you know in the name of Jesus? I smoked a ton of weed. This is this. And like hearing, like seeing them now, like at Salt, and like they're just so happy you can tell they're just like filled with so much more joy and they have like an actual like purpose to not only just like living i don't say like but i don't say like that people who don't know christ have no purpose for living but because that's that's a little harsh but like yeah that is yeah, <laughs> that's like yeah if i if i went if i was evangelizing that way um i would hope someone would kick me off yeah you'd have off. a very low success rate yeah, one of my favorite things. Uh, how do you feel about the, like the preachers on, like they just go to campuses and like they have a big sign that says like, if you do like if you have sex with uh, people, if you're like, uh, oh, I have a picture of. Oh, but no, I don't. I, I remember you FaceTimed me when there was a guy like oh, this on funny. your campus. Yeah, we had a sign and- like no Mormons, no Mormons. That was my favorite part. No Mormons. I was like, man, those guys are great. <laughs> Not really. Yeah, they are. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, for the, for like, so I think the motivation has to be correct. I think you have to love people more than you love evangelism and you have to love, yeah, love God more than you love anything else. Right. And so I think the people who are like leading with that intense of a message don't necessarily love the people. They just like, love the act of evangelism like they kind of like the the fiery arguments and stuff like that i think that walking around and talking to people in a civilized way about the gospel can be great like i have a a couple different strategies listed out here that i think have been successful and, and some of them i've used myself one that i've never actually done but that i think works is called the ray comfort method and you may have seen him if you've ever seen american gospel he's the uh the guy who is going around with the microphone, like on college oh, that campus. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. So um, his name is Ray Comfort. And what he does is he, he has a very, very um, purposefully laid out uh, evangelism method where he asks certain people questions about the law from the Bible and allows them to come to the conclusion on their own that they need salvation. So talk to them about, do they have any spiritual beliefs? Do they know who Jesus is? ask them if they think there's a heaven or a hell, because a lot of people will say yes, even if they don't claim to believe in Christ. And then you can say, so like, if you died tonight, where would you go? You know, like, by the way, if what you were believing, you say to them, like, if the thing that you're believing is not actually true, would you want to know that it wasn't true? And, and just kind of ask them other questions about the law from the Bible and allow them to come to the conclusion themselves that they need Jesus Christ. And I think that method of street evangelism will work so much better than just standing on the side of a campus and yelling at people with a sign. Cause I don't think a lot of people come to know Jesus through people like that guy that you 
FaceTime me when you're talking to. I don't think he evangelizes to people. I think he yells at people. But I think great comfort leads people to Christ by actually having a conversation with them. Yeah. I think, too, like, it's really hard to, like we talked earlier, just have, like, a surface-level conversation about that. Because how do, how, how do I just leave it off at that? Yeah. Like, right. how do I just leave it off at, like, you're a sinner? Because then, well, like, you can't just leave it off at you're either you're a sinner or Jesus loves you. Because, like, that's not the whole gospel story. Yeah, like, the yeah. gospel story is, too, like, I'm a sinner. But the good news is that Jesus dies for me. God sends his son to die in my place. Uh, my my um, punishment of hell switched with Jesus' righteousness. Jesus takes it for me. That's that's the whole gospel story. But if you just leave it at you're a sinner or Jesus loves you, you missed other you missed other vital parts of it. Um, I think too. Yeah, no, the the gospel too. Like it's it's also really important that you don't just leave it there too. Like you have to be hospitable with um, our words and our actions too. Inviting. Um, to those people like if i'm being yelled at like no i don't want to go to church then i don't want to i don't want to do what this guy says yeah fact, right. we actually made a, we made a bingo about him not we i didn't make this but someone brought a bingo to his street yelling thing i want a bingo i want one bingo nice <laughs> like, uh they just like, <laughs> kind of terrible but it's kind of kind of fun to sit there it was fun for me because I was wearing a, a bowler shirt. For those who don't know, it's like a, a company that sells like shirts that are gospel centered. But it's wearing a bowler shirt, so people recognize like I'm at like I follow Jesus. So people are actually talking to you, talking to me about um, that. But like there's a bingo. Like this guy says like if you if you're a whore, uh, you're a sinner, and like that's that's one that's one part of it. Or like Mormon. Another, I, I want a bingo. It was great, but he. That's funny. He brought so many. It was so funny. He had candy and stuff. He was staying in front. It was, it was kind of funny, but <laughs> yeah, I. It's really important that we just don't leave it at that. But I'm not. Also, like if it's also a stranger too, it's. I prefer, prefer to not evangelize to strangers. Um, yeah it's a lot easier for me to like talk to a friend about it like if i know my friend doesn't know jesus that's a little bit more important than someone i don't know honestly like if there's someone i know who like i've lived life with for a few years now and i know they don't know jesus why would i choose to evangelize to um a stranger in the street over my friend not to say like that that person like i shouldn't evangelize strangers but like also like my friend's in need also. I know my friend isn't saved if he's not following Jesus. He doesn't believe in Jesus and have faith in him. I know for a fact then where that person's eternity will lie if he's not, if he doesn't believe. So it is important that like, we talk to the people close to us who don't know Jesus. Um, if no one talked to you about it, Tyler, the people you were close with, you would not have been saved. Um, no one talked to me about it. There's no way in hell I would have been saved. Um, I don't know. Looking at my own family too, like there's no reason I should be saved. <laughs> like st- looking at like statistically, I'm in a culture that grabs onto people so hard 
it's there really is no reason I should even be at church, except through the grace of God. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think you know that that it's another thing that's important to remember is like if you're evangelizing to strangers and they're not receptive, like you don't like, don't feel pressured to, to convert every single person you talk to right there. Like yeah. you will get so discouraged either. Yeah. Right. You allow God to guide you. You plant seeds where you can. And if someone's not interested, you move on. Maybe you say, can I pray for you? And if you, if you, you can, maybe they'll allow you to pray for them, even if they don't actually want to talk to you about the gospel. And you know, that's powerful. Like allowing them to see that, like, not only do you care about them, but that you are convicted by the fact that God also cares about them and wants to have a relationship with them. Yeah. Um, I do have, so Doug Fields is a youth pastor. He's also one of the founders of Download Youth Ministry, which is a, a, a big resource for people who are in youth ministry to, to go to and, and kind of for youth pastors across the whole world to help each other out. But he has this thing called the Friendship Evangelism Challenge. And this is kind of speaks to what you were talking about, Adam, about you know, how it's easier to evangelize people that you know. Um, and he challenges his students with this to pick like three of their friends, their non-church friends a year and to do this, these different five steps to them. Uh, and the timetable can vary. Some people will, you know, some of your friends might be super receptive and you'll do all five steps in like a week and others, it'll take you years to get through steps one, and two. So, um, but so they go like this. It's the first step is tell your friend. So if you're talking to a friend who is not a Christian, you tell your friend that you're a Christian. That's step one. Step two is invite your friend to a church function that wouldn't be intimidating to someone who's unchurched. So maybe if they're never been to church before, don't necessarily, you don't have to invite them to like Good Friday because that might be a little heavy for them. But maybe instead you invite them to, like um, if your church is doing some kind of like a grill out or something like that, or like a concert or some other function that's not intimidating to someone who's never been in a church before. Step three is to tell your friend why you're a Christian. So that's having an actual conversation with them about what the gospel means and, and why it is that you felt compelled to accept Christ. Step four is telling, um, tell your friend how you became a Christian. So that's sharing your testimony and then step five, the ultimate goal is asking your friend if he or she would like to become a Christian. And then if they say yes, you get to you know pray with them and, and they can accept Christ. But those are five good steps to use for people who are your friends. And like I said, you might tell your friend that you're a Christian and then you might get stuck on step two, inviting them to a church function. You might get stuck on step two for years before they finally say yes to you, right? Like that's what happened to my friends when they tried to talk to me about Christ. And so you know, don't be discouraged, but also those steps are easy that you can turn back to and say, you know, here are three of my friends who I want to evangelize to over the next few months. And you can keep track, you know, for each friend, like what step are we at? You know, have I, have I told them that I'm a Christian? Have I invited them to a church function and have they come to a church function and things like that? So. Yeah. Do you, what time do you have to be out of here? It's probably like four minutes from now. Okay, that's what I thought. So I don't want to hold you too, too, too much longer. Um, well, first thing is, do you have anything like that you really just you haven't had a chance for just you to say that you just really want to say? Um, um, you know, not that I can think of. If we're talking about evangelism, I also think it's important to follow up with new believers. So if someone accepts Christ, 
one of the most important things you can do to help them is to get them plugged into the body of Christ. You know, we're not called to be believers alone. So I would say if you're going to go do something like street evangelism, or if you're going to talk to your friends about Jesus, when they accept Jesus, or if they're starting to move towards accepting Jesus, don't just stop talking. Like don't leave them alone. Don't stop talking to them. Like make sure you get them connected into a body of Christ because we're not called to follow Jesus alone. Mm. Is there yeah, final thing too. Is there any way <clears throat> gosh. Is there any way like if people have um more questions for you or like want to contact you somehow, like how is there like an email or like somewhere people can like interact with you? Yeah, definitely. If someone wanted to reach out to me, uh my email is T Hungate. So that's my last name. So it's T H U N G A T E dot C P at gmail.com. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. I also forget to like ask everyone their emails or something because yeah. For like a follow up if someone wants. Yeah. I I always forget. Um, so I'm going to try to put people's emails in like the bio for. Yeah, definitely. So that's my bad. So if everyone had questions for whoever else, my bad. (laughs) I don't feel that bad. You're still learning, but as we all are, but yeah, Tyler, um, thanks for being on here. Um, it was awesome to hear your story and like, see what you had to say. Um, yeah, I'm going to end it right now. There it is, everyone. Um, it was a little long, so I hope that some of you guys ended up getting to the very end. Uh, thank you to anyone who listened all the way through to hear my little outro. Um, but if you enjoyed, follow us on Instagram for more updates on our next podcast at the Upside Down Kingdom Podcast. Um, but yeah, it's been a while since I recorded one. Uh, it's just been a little busy with life and all but i'm glad to be getting back into the group of things even though this is like my fifth or sixth podcast or something like that i don't know i'm recording these and uploading these a little out of order but it doesn't really matter um but yeah i hope you all enjoyed see you all next time thanks